But how do you teach a child to love something? How do you teach a child to love something that is ultimately most important? To love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and with all their strength. Well, first and foremost, we must love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. If there's anything I've learned throughout my years of ministry is you cannot fake it with children. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we continue our series as a challenge for a proverb a day in May. We'll be looking at our theme verse, Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. But first, we'll continue to look back at our recent Definitions Conference as we hear from our keynote speakers in a panel conversation answering the questions of our attendees. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. Our recent Definitions Conference here on Cape Cod to train up a child brought together a full house, filling up the the gymnasium over at Trinity Christian Academy here in Barnstable, as we discussed for eight hours some great content from Dr. Ted Tripp, his wife Margie, and Dr. James Manganello as they laid out for us some really important and great content to encourage our listeners on how to train up a child in the the way that he should go, so that even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Our theme verse, Proverbs 22.6. As a result of all of this conversation and all of these sessions that were so rich with such great content, we closed out the day with a quick Q&A. We sat down with each of our keynote speakers and talked with them about the various questions. I fielded the questions from the floor, and uh, here now we go to a segment of our conversation and the many questions that were raised that I think are really helpful for us to see what parents are struggling with, what parents are considering about how to actually articulate the gospel to the next generation. So here is a snippet from that Q&A from the Definitions Conference. So the question is, with kids in a wide range from 11 to 19 or even more than that, uh, if you have elementary and high school students in the same household. How do you approach? I struggle with this with our, our children's program. We have the older kids and the little kids all sitting together for the same Bible lesson. The older kids are rolling their eyes, right, to the illustrations I'm using. Uh, how, do, how do you, Ted, this is a good question for you, I think, to cover. Um, how do you address an audience of children that are in a wide range, especially when it comes to family devotions? I think in general, I think we want to have our our uh, family worship be accessible to the older ones rather than the younger ones because the younger ones will want to reach up to the older ones. The older ones will not be willing to reach down to the younger ones. So by having it addressed to the older ones, uh, the younger kids are going to want to reach up to understand what the older people are understanding. It doesn't work in the other direction. The other thing is I think uh, <clears throat> we found that we had uh, an open home ministry uh, 40 years ago and uh, 45 years ago, and we, uh, we had adults living with us. Uh, they were not all Christians. They were welcome to live with us. One of our house rules was that you join us for dinner at night and for family worship after dinner. You don't have to say anything, but you need to be present. But uh, we were able to have devotions in that context, and we just asked them, you know, uh, to give us the courtesy of being there with us and to uh, at least uh, participate by their presence. So I think that's how I would appeal to an, an older 
child who does, may not even profess faith to say to them, uh, this is something we want to do as a family and uh, we're asking you to work with us here and to cooperate with us and at least participate on the level of being there and being present, not rolling your eyes. And, uh, uh, you know, trusting God to work through them and uh, in them. And we found that as we did that, many of these uh, young adults who were not Christians came to faith in Christ because they were, they were drawn in uh, to it. So I think uh, that's, those are my thoughts. Uh, I think another thing you might consider is, especially if you have a child who's resistant to the, that age range, is to consider doing a, a on the side uh, time with that child, uh, talking to them particularly about questions they may have or problems that they have with, with Christianity or, or questions they have. Uh, sometimes that takes the edge off of them feeling I don't want to participate. Another thing you can do is involve them, ask them to read, uh, uh, ask them if if you've got a musician, <laughs> ask them to play the guitar or uh, or whatever. But uh, I think uh, trying to have the, have your regular family worship that covers everyone, but noticing when you need have someone who needs that extra attention that could be done at another time. The question is, when you have, you're raising your kids, you're not doing so in a vacuum, right? Even if you put them in a Christian school and you take them to a Christian church, they're going to be mingling and interacting with Christians of all uh, different communities that have different standards, and they're going to come home with that dreaded question, well, Jimmy's parents let him do this, so, <laughs> right? So how do you handle that? Uh, Jim, why don't we, since I said Jimmy, why don't, why don't we start with you? That's interesting you said that. That was one of my nicknames. Okay. Um, it all depends on how much you have explained the differences of what your values are and what other people may have as values. So if you present the Christian values of your family to your kids, they know that there are certain areas that are important to the family and to them and to you as parents. They want to respect that. The problem is if you don't talk about the differences that are outside of that sphere, then they're going to be taken aback by what they see or hear outside of there. And so they're always wanting to compare always looks better out there than it does in here, right? That's, that's always the case. And that's why you, you explain to them that difference and what it means for them. I think with this as well, it's an opportunity for us to teach kids that the, to abstract. As you were talking about in your message on adolescence, kids start to abstract ideas. They can understand, start to understand nuances, understand that these are our rules and not everyone may share our same rules, but you need to learn and respect that these are rules that we're raising you under. But uh, Ted, you, you talk about this, I'm sure as well, in the context of you know, helping the kids understand, as, as Jim was saying, that these, these values are a reflection of, of our heart in some way. Right, and I think you know, even as Jim was saying, you know, Talking about your values and the basis for the decisions that you've made as a family is so important. But also not being negatively critical of brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And so you can say to your kids, you know what? Those folks, they love God and they love their kids and they're doing the best they can do. And that's fine. That's between them and the Lord. I'm not Jimmy's dad, but I'm your dad. And so this is what we're going to do. They've made a different choice and we're not going to judge them for their choice. That, that's something between them and the Lord. And, and uh, we don't all have to be in lockstep agreement with one another to love each other and to, to be part of the same church. And so I think uh, you know, helping disabuse your kids of the idea there's going to be this uniformity in the church that looks like everyone came out of the same plastic extrusion press. I mean, we, you know, there are going to be differences. We're going to have sensibilities in different locations. We can have our convictions, hold them tenaciously, <coughs> and yet have a heart of charity for brothers and sisters who don't have the same convictions. And teach our children, that's fine. That's between them and the Lord. That's not our worry. You are my worry. And I used to appeal to my kids. One of the things I used to do to them is I'd say, you know, I know they've made that choice, and I think they've made it before the Lord, and they're doing the best they can do, and that's fine. Um, I feel deeply convicted within my own spirit that it would be wrong for us to do that as a family. Surely you would not ask me to ignore uh, my convictions <laughs> in order to accommodate you. You wouldn't ask me to do that, would you? <laughs> because kids at that age, they're very much, I want to have my convictions. I want my convictions to be respected. That's all I'm asking you to do, honey. Just respect my convictions. We've been listening to a snippet from our Q&A from the recent Definitions Conference, Train Up a Child. Our keynote speakers, you heard from them today, were Dr. Ted Tripp and his wife, Margie, who were the founders of Shepherding the Heart Ministries. Dr. Ted Tripp wrote the book, uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart, and together they they co-wrote a book called Instructing a Child's Heart. And most recently, uh, Margie wrote her book, It's Not Too Late, on how parents can respond to prodigals uh, and teenagers and adult children who have walked away from the faith. That book is actually made available as a thank you for your support to the Songtime Ministry. If you'd like to get a copy, please let us know. Our number is 508-362-7070 or head over to our website at songtime.com. Our other guest was Dr. James Manganello, and he He is a Christian psychologist right here on Cape Cod, and he talked a little bit about uh, mental health issues that our children are facing over the past two years, obviously because of of the pandemic, but also even leading up to that with all of the other uh, contributing factors that are causing a great strife. All of those segments will be posted up on our website, so stay tuned and stay plugged in by looking at songtime.com. Well, today we continue our series, A Proverb Day in May, and it's fitting to be looking at uh, this week's proverb. Proverbs 22.6 has been our theme verse for this whole series, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The question is, how do we actually do it? How do we implement that? How do we speak to a child's heart? How do we instruct a child's heart? And how do we navigate the serious concerns that children have, especially in the world that we are living in today? In this next message, I share one of my own sermons on this very question. Here is our continued series, A Proverb a Day in May. But the question is, as we're seeing here, we are to train up children. How do you teach a child to love something? That's an even more important question, isn't it? You can teach a child what's right and wrong, but that doesn't mean that they'll continue to agree with you once they're older. How do you teach a child to love something? 
There's certainly a lot of things that we can do wrong in this regard. There's certainly ways that you can misrepresent what it means to train up a child. You can discipline them out of anger. As a result, their, the rebellious nature of their heart will be fostered and their, their anger and their uh, discipline, their problems, will only be magnified. You can use manipulation and uh, you can use brainwashing, but, but even that is not a positive way to instill in a child love. My mom tried to get me to enjoy math. She would tell me, oh, this is going to be fun. I was a little too smart for her. I knew what she was doing. She was manipulating me. She was trying to make me think that it was going to be fun. She'd get all excited, and we'd sit down and do the math problems, and we would both end up in tears and agony and stress, and our hair pulled out in our fingers. Uh, No matter how much she tried to make it fun, it was not fun. Thank God I did not go into the maths as a, as a career. But my dad, on the other hand, he loved baseball. He had played baseball even in the minor leagues, and uh, when he was older and he had me, he was excited to finally have a son that he could pass on his passion of baseball to. So I played baseball for 12 years. And I didn't just play baseball any position. My dad was a first baseman, so you know what I wanted to play? I wanted to play first base. My dad was our coach, and I think my dad had this uh, trumped-up idea that he was going to be this uh, Mighty Ducks kind of coach or some Bad News Bears type coach. So he always picked, like, the worst players. I was good. I'm not bright. I was, I, was, I was efficient at baseball, but the rest of the team was always a, a, a mess, and we never really did win much. But uh, therefore... I was zapped of any competitive spirit, even to this day. I'm not a very competitive person. But I did capture my dad's passion for baseball. Why? Because he did it with me. He did it alongside of me. He passed what he was passionate about onto me. There's an even greater passion that my father had that I still hold today. My dad was a pastor, and I looked up to my dad And I wanted to be a pastor just like him. But I was really shy, deathly shy. And I know that nobody believes this. I shared this with the kids uh, at Awana. And I told them the story that I was shy. And they said, are you still shy today? And I said, what do you think? But how do you teach a child to love something? How do you teach a child to love something that is ultimately most important? To love God with all their heart with all their soul, with all their mind, and with all their strength. Well, first and foremost, we must love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. If there's anything I've learned throughout my years of ministry is you cannot fake it with children. You can put on a facade, especially when you come to church, You can put on appearances that your home life is wonderful and beautiful, but when you're home, when your guard is down, they see right through who you truly are. And so this passage says in in Deuteronomy 6 to to teach them diligently how to do so. It says, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. It's saying... The things that are most ordinary 
and mundane in your life are opportunities to teach your children, to teach children in general how to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind and strength. It doesn't say to find the best Christian school to send them there. It doesn't say to find the best curriculum or to find the best church with the best children's church and the best Sunday school programs and the, and the best Awana programs. It doesn't say any of that. It says in the home, in all of the most mundane and ordinary components of your life, to teach children and teach them diligently to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. It goes on to say that that this should be the very front of our eyes. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. One of these days I'm going to teach from this passage in particular because of how crucial it is on what we ought to be doing and how it ought to infiltrate every single aspect of who we are. Years ago, I was visiting my, my brother-in-law's church. He's a pastor, and I was holding my nephew in my arms while they were singing songs. And they were singing a song that I wasn't really a particular fan of. You know, it's one of those songs I just felt like standing there and just not going through the motions. And I noticed my nephew wasn't singing either, and he was actually looking at me with this side eye. And I realized just how much of an influence I had on my nephew. I didn't like this song, but more importantly, I was teaching my nephew that you can kind of pick and choose when you want to worship. You've got to make sure that the environment is right. And, and if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. What I was conveying to him in that small little window of opportunity was that worship is a choice that you can choose not to do or you can choose to do when you want. I sang that song with gusto, knowing how important it is to pass on what is most important to them is not what my preferences are, but with what God would require of us, to worship Him even when the environment does not suit us in particular, but to worship Him and to pass on that hope and faith to the next generation. You shall write them on the doorposts of the house and on your gates. What Proverbs is teaching us is the important and crucial component of teaching diligently through every aspect, some of the most mundane things, but done with the sake of ourselves learning to grow in our own love for God and so that they might see it and they might follow our examples. Today's proverb of the day in May is Proverbs chapter 25, and it, that just so happens to be uh, my anniversary, the 25th, uh, three years married, and I know that because I'm following along in the journal. I probably would not know what day it is today if not for looking at the, the calendar and reading the proverb of the day in May. I, don't, I just don't spend a lot of time uh, building my schedule around the calendar, but in Proverbs and in May, then I absolutely do. So uh, today is our three-year anniversary. You can wish us luck. And if you've had years of experience, you can let us know what we have to look forward to in the decades to come. But uh, today's proverb of the day, Proverbs chapter 25, my, my selection is verses 21 and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, 
Give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now, this verse really stands out to me because I remember when I was in Bible college, I had two different professors that would argue over uh, this verse, whether or not the heaping burning coals on their heads was meant to be a positive or a negative. A negative would be, you know, you're putting burning coals in their heads. Obviously, that would hurt. Um, and that negative would be a kind of sort of a vindictive. At least this one professor used to, to think of it that way. The other one saw it as a positive, saying that they would carry, you know, a, 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 a pot or something on their head, and you would put burning coals so that they could go home and light their fire, and that would maintain. I, I'm not really sure where I land on that. I, I probably lean more towards the, the first rather than the second, but I, I Get, get past the point here, what the, the essential nature of this verse is saying is that when you do something kind for your enemy, when you're doing something to meet their needs, even when they don't deserve it, you are demonstrating the gospel to them because remember, we were enemies with God, but God loved us while we were still sinners, then what we are doing is going to have a lasting effect, something that we, they will not be able to deny. It will linger with them. It will continue and, and perpetuate in, in their hearts and their minds because that's what the burning coals would, would simmer. It would sit and it would allow them to, to really process what had just happened. Uh, food, it's here and gone. You can sit down and have a meal with somebody, but as soon as it's over, they'll get hungry again. But if you give them those burning coals that simmers and that lingers, and that is what uh, this message is all about. And that's what we want to communicate to you, that our call to you is that that you should, should do what is good for others, even if they have done wrong to you, because that is what Christ has done for us. It is all about communicating the gospel. We have received a gift that we did not deserve, and therefore we ought to love others as Christ has loved us. I hope that we've been able to encourage you today. If we have, we would love to hear from you. You can write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our series of Proverbs a day in May as we're looking at what it means to grow old with these truths that God has deposited in our hearts. There is a time coming for each and every one of us where all of the other things will, will disappear and all of the other things and their importance will fall away. Hide this book in your heart so that when we are old, we'll hold these things dear. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. <laughs>